Hello and welcome to Hopeful World, the social project podcast. I'm Charlie Wright, founder of Hopeful Traders. This is a series where we look at inspiring projects with a social mission at their heart. This week we chat to Scarlett Montanaro of Kraken Cider. Kraken Cider is a shop where you can buy gifts for the homeless. Thank you for coming to join us, Scarlett. Why don't you just start off by telling us a little bit about, for those who don't know, Kraken Cider and what their mission is. Of course, yeah. So I'm the co-founder of Kraken Cider and Kraken Cider is a shop where people can go online and buy essential items for homeless people and then we distribute those items to those most in need. So our kind of mission is to make homelessness a little bit less shit. (laughs) We're not solving it, we know that, but our mission is to just try and make people feel a little bit more comfortable where we can. Cool. And why don't you just tell me a little bit about why you decided to launch Kraken Cider? Was it a, what kind of personal reasons were involved? Was it to do with the, any kind of timing or what you kind of see about you? Um, well, there was loads to it, I think. I'd just come back from travelling and I don't want to say that I found myself, but I kind of came back with a new sense of purpose and knew I wanted to do something useful in the world, which then kind of coincided with my now co-founder, and best friend um, Charlotte, we were sat in a coffee shop in Berlin when a homeless man approached us and asked us for spare change. And that's when we kind of thought, we said no, everyone's saying no, let's try and make this horrible, awkward, guilty interaction a little bit easier for people. So that's kind of how it started. We came up with the idea for it, basically sat at that coffee shop there and then and came home and just started doing it really and didn't stop to really think about what we were doing. But yeah, I'm so pleased we did it now. And um, why don't you just talk a little bit about like, so the issue around giving people money on the street and why you think that it's maybe like an uncomfortable experience and how Kraken Cider has kind of made that experience different and maybe making people think about it differently. Yeah, well, I mean, firstly, we're all British and we don't like talking to strangers and get all awkward and uncomfortable over most social interactions. And then on top of that, when we started researching Crack Insider, we were looking at all these posters that are coming from our police force and sometimes even charities themselves, telling us that if you give money on the streets, then you're contributing to an early death of these homeless people. And so that's all sort of fueling this negative stereotype that we've been told our whole lives. And these messages are coming from trusted institutions. So... I don't in any way blame the public for feeling like they're doing more harm than good. But what we did know is that people aren't taking it lightly when they walk past someone that needs help. Everyone is racked with guilt when they do it, but they don't have an adequate way of helping that person. So that's where we thought we could step in. Uh, For those people that don't want to give cash, then there is an alternative way of helping that isn't just giving to a big faceless charity. It's... Crack Insider was born to provide a sort of tangible way of helping for people. So they buy a jacket online and they know a jacket is getting into the hands of a homeless person in their city. Yeah, and um, I guess on a personal level, I, I have become really fully aware of how how important it can be to kind of, yeah, like you said earlier, make life a bit less shit for people. I think like in legislation and like homelessness reduction bill and stuff like that recently, uh, there's a lot of good legislation coming in. It's sort of, you know, but there is this kind of focus on like an end result. And I think what the government or like what councils and stuff missed out when they put posters up saying you shouldn't do it is this, 
this idea that, yeah, okay, we'll eventually we'll sort them out, but that's still a lot of days of just living shit. Like, you know, you think about a bad day in every single day. I don't know how much you know about like stuff like the homelessness reduction bill, but or any kind of specific legislation, but what kind of, since you've started Crack Insider, what has been the kind of th- surprising things that you've learned about homelessness and how it's dealt with? I've, I've learned everything from scratch starting this project. We had never worked in charity before. We're both from advertising backgrounds and still have full-time jobs in that industry. Um, so everything that we have learned has been along the way. We just decided we saw a problem and we wanted to try and fix it. So I, I learned about the hierarchy within homelessness of like, if you're newly homeless, then you get a bit of help. If you're a bit further along the line and you've actually ended up on the streets and sleeping rough, that's considered like the crisis point. And that's when actually councils and charities basically have stopped helping. And that's how they've ended up in that place. And when we started Crack Insider, that's who we wanted to stand for. We wanted to stand for the rough sleeper because they're the people actually that are on the posters. They're the sort of faces of shelter and crisis. But a lot of charity money and government money is being ploughed into these newly homeless that are being given temporary housing and accommodation, which is all well and good and it's right. But yeah, we just felt like the people at the end of the line that are actually on the streets were the people that needed these jackets and no one was really standing for them. So that was a huge learning for us. But I mean, yeah, still, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know everything there is to know or I know what governments should be doing. I just know that the government are over there doing their thing and there's stuff that us as a community and us as individuals can do. And we can't leave it up to them because they are focusing on the long game. They are thinking, oh, well, in five years, we're going to have plowed X amount of millions into this and that but it does forget about the people actually having to just get through the night and get through this winter. And, yeah, that's what we're hoping to try and do. You spoke about how your background is in uh, ad agencies, and I believe your co-founder was too, and how we can't leave it to the big organisations or even the government to deal with these problems. Where do you kind of see the responsibilities of social enterprises and these social projects? Is that... Are kind of are they picking up the slack for the bigger organizations or do you think it's actually their responsibility to kind of like push them along well I think the big sort of traditional corporations do look to the startup world for cool new innovations and what are they doing and how do they stay relevant and so I think in a way it's everyone's responsibility to pave the way and do everything that they can be doing wherever they sit, whether they're in a corporation or whether they're in a startup. I, I do kind of get what you mean. I see your point of we're picking up the slack, but we're not. We're just doing our own thing over here. It's such a huge, vast issue and there are so many problems in this world to try and fix. So if everyone just does everything that they can, then I don't think anyone's sort of going to be taking away from each other's responsibilities. I think we've all got a responsibility. But yeah, it is very it is very mainstream, I think, at the moment, which I think is amazing. I actually did a talk yesterday morning all about companies that have started with a social conscience. And that's incredible. And I think those companies are going to be the big giant corporations of the future. So if they start with a social conscience built into their DNA, then they're going to be the companies in the future that 
that have more power and that can make huge changes in the world. So, yeah, I think everyone should be doing something, really. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's interesting because, you know, for me, so technically Hopeful Trade is a retail company, but we're also like kind of social, ethical branding. The social enterprise market, ethical market is like growing when other parts are like really noticeably shrinking. And yeah, it's interesting to think that those might be the bigger companies holding sway in the future. So they may not even be pushing the other big companies. They may simply just be overtaking them. I mean, here's hoping. Yeah, well, I think there's all this research to show that millennials are physically actually going out and spending on companies that align with their own ethics. And if millennials are interested in social impact, they're buying brands that have the same views and are actually out there doing stuff in the world. So it's proven to make business sense. And I think, yeah, we should hopefully all be doing that. And then in the future, hopeful traders will be taking over the world and everything will be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Just going to pause for a minute there and just remind you guys about the Kickstarter launch that Hopeful Traders will be running. That is launching on the 28th of July. Check out the website, hopefultraders.com, for a little more information on that. We've also had a really nice video made by my friend and amazing director, Hugh Rochefort. Really worth a watch. I hope you guys go and check that out. Uh, Again, hopefultraders.com, 28th of July. Do it. Yeah, you mentioned you did a talk there earlier. I know you've like you've done a few kind of talks and like I know you do a bit of guest writing and stuff like that. How have you found kind of doing all those things on the side of a full-time job? It's been hard sometimes. I mean, thankfully Kraken Cider is a seasonal brand. So we kind of have the summer to plan and take our time over things and then we do a big sort of push in the winter, which is a bit more manageable. Um I did Um, I have my co-founder who takes a lot of the weight off of it. And I'm not going to lie, a couple of times I've genuinely thought I was going to lose my mind. But at the end of the day, I think when you're doing something that is your passion and it's a problem that keeps you awake at night, it all of a sudden doesn't feel like work. It feels like your purpose and you get up in the morning and I'm sorry, guys, but I'm not actually thinking about my work in my ad agency. I am thinking about how I'm going to get more jackets into the hands of a homeless person. So I don't know, it, it's been mad, but amazing and fulfilling. And people look at me and ask, how, how do you do it? How do you do it? You just manage, you just do. If you care enough about changing something, then I cannot tell you or recommend enough starting a side project because it's been an incredible journey for me personally, as well as being able to say that I've, you know, made a difference. Yeah, I mean, that's cool to hear. I mean, we so we met a while ago while I was still kind of starting Hopeful Traders. And one of the things I was kind of saying to you then is like, it seemed like what you had done was so intangible to me. And like some of it does, still does seem like a little bit beyond what I could do at the minute. But the thing I've always said to other people is like, it seems really intangible and crazy until you go and do it. Like, yeah, at times I'm like, really want to just like sack this off for just for a bit like you know and just get my mind back together but you know you take the highs with the low and then the highs always can be really high you mentioned your co-founder there Uh, how important is it to like have that kind of relationship and how does that influence the kind of work for Kraken Cider I mean it wouldn't have happened without her 
I mean, we both came up with the idea together, brainstorming. She's a very um, entrepreneurial person. She's always coming up with ideas and always she's always questioning things. So why didn't we give to that homeless person? Why is no one else in this cafe giving to this homeless person? What is the root cause of this problem? And that's how we got to that insight about people don't want to... Yeah, exactly. People don't want to give money based on the fact that they think it will be spent on drugs and alcohol. And also along the whole process, I mean, having two people, I've realised is really necessary because Charlotte actually has moved to San Francisco and has opened up Crack Inside about there, which is amazing. But obviously with the time difference and her being in a different country, it's kind of been that she's taken responsibility for the USA and I've taken responsibility for the UK. And very minimal things have been done since she's left. <laughs> and it's, yeah, you just need that other person to bounce off of and to call when you're stressed. And they're the only other person in the world that really knows what you're going through. And without that, yeah, I've not really done very much at all. She's still at the end of the phone, but not having her here physically has been difficult. So I really do think that the success of it has all been down to like the right partnerships. And now actually I've brought um, on board a amazing girl called Katie May who's going to be helping me run and grow London and already it's only been a couple of weeks but I already feel kind of invigorated again oh, that's awesome. yeah. oh, exciting stuff so you and Katie or you and Charlotte do you find I mean well you and Charlotte you must be somewhat similar like your guys are old friends I think and you know you know each other very well but I know that like you get a lot of stories about these partnerships where one person handles like kind of one role really well and do you kind of have that where you've You've both kind of bringing like something really different to the table. Um, well, Charlie was a strategist, is a strategist, and I'm creative. So I think we both have marketing and branding skills, but of slightly different. We come at it from slightly different angles, which I think really helps. But she, and she has a bit more knowledge when it comes to sort of business mm. acumen. I don't have any of that. <laughs> so yeah, I think we bring complementary but slightly different things to the table which I think is really good however yes we do need we did need someone that was a bit more operational and financy all that stuff was missing so I think now it's come down to the fact that actually we're going to be running this properly because it started as a six-week little project for Christmas and then after December it was just going to be finished so we didn't really have any real processes in place and now I'm having to go back and sort of retrofit a process on how we like deal with things properly as a as a company or a charity so it's yeah been a bit been a bit crazy and there was definitely still massive holes in our skill sets but it was fun <laughs> um going back to like the launch of Kraken Cider one thing that I kind of really noticed was and that so many startups social or whatever any kind of thing really obviously just dying to do is get like the attention of the press and not just the attention of the press but the right kind of attention Talk about a little bit how, what was your kind of approach to that and what are the things that you found really worked and not only just getting yourself noticed in the first place, but like continuing being noticed? Um, well, that, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Startups maybe don't necessarily have the experience within an ad agency like I do. So it was quite a simple well, process for me because we came up with the idea and then you just have to find the right story to tell the press about and they do love a world's first or an interesting concept and a catchy name. We had all these things going for us. And they thankfully just leapt on the story, which 
I mean, it was, it was kind of local, so we got all the London press. But yeah, it was literally just cold calling, sending out a press release, putting together some nice images and just knocking down doors. And it just, we never expected it to get the response that it did. But um, I think, yeah, it's just the catchy name helped massively. It was, it, but it wasn't always good press at the beginning. When we first started to get noticed and written about, it was all focusing on the offensive name. And I was thinking, oh, God, this is it for me. <laughs> I'm never going to work in this town again. They're going to be, I'm going to be public enemy number one. I'm going to be shamed on Twitter. But thankfully, the tides turned and everyone knew that it was coming from a good place. And it was from a place of truth that people didn't want to talk about. So it was called frank and honest and, you know, all positive things, which was such a relief because for about three days there, I was thinking that's it for me and my whole career. <laughs> But yeah, I think in the continued interest, so we launched a pack for the dogs of homeless people. And that was something no one's ever done before. Well, in the mainstream press anyway. And I literally sent out three press releases and all of a sudden I was on like Huffington Post and BBC. And then I thought, oh, okay, well, I've nailed this formula now. I just know how to get press. But then when I launched the women's pack, I did the same thing, wrote a new press release, sent out images... Not one person replied to me because it's a story that's been written about, which is a shame because it's still an issue. But I don't think the press care about that, whether it's an issue or not, or whether we're doing any good. They care about having a story that's new and different. It's difficult. I mean, we had, um, sorry, yes, we had a similar thing with, we did card designs, raise money for sanitary products and um we had a great public response like better than anything we had actually really done up to that point but press was just like non-existent and i thought naively like because it had been news before that it was like getting involved in something that was like a topic of conversation that hadn't really been and that's the other thing like it hasn't even still really been resolved the issue on the tax and stuff like that but the attention's gone away and it kind of feels like that's one of the reasons why it hasn't been resolved but again, like, did you find that like, your customer base was interested in that? Yeah, I mean, they loved it because it is still an issue and they aren't, thankfully, as fickle as the press are. So, yeah, I think it's about rather than jumping on a bandwagon, it's about coming up with something that is new and then finding the right story of how to tell that. So I think, you know, putting world's first this and that in your headline on your press release is going to get people's attention. And... I suppose half the battle is just getting them to open the damn email in the first place. So they must get thousands upon thousands of emails through every single day from startups. But, yeah, it's just finding the story, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, So you mentioned you've got a new partner now and uh, you're working on some new stuff. So what kind of things has Crackensider got in for the future? Um, Yep, so Katie May is going to be helping me on a really boring level of just helping me make it functional and make it actually operate as a business, I suppose, because, you know, I didn't keep a single receipt for anything. (laughs) I'd like basic things like that. (laughs) Exactly. So that's been a bit of a nightmare. So we're going back and taking it from step one. And then by Christmas, we've got a really cool window display in Spitalfields that we're going to be doing in partnership with an agency. Just keeping going, I suppose, we're doing a bit of a relaunch, like so. The window display in Spitalfields is is a pretty big deal. I'm hoping, or I want to make it a really big deal as much as we can. 
um, and do something interesting with it. Still coming up with ideas. And then, yeah, hoping to get a big push again and then be distributing around London. We've got potentially Bristol oh, awesome. as a launch. Just had someone contact me from Bournemouth as well. So we could do a couple of new, almost franchises, I suppose. Built a little team out in New York who are launching out there. Potentially LA. So there's loads of little crack insiders popping up, hopefully. That's the plan anyway. So, yeah, but it's just literally just been people contacting me and I jump on Skype and I have to make a snap decision upon whether they're a really genuinely good person or not and whether they're doing it for the love of it and whether they're competent enough to run something like this. And thankfully, the sort of people that are contacting me are genuinely great people. So, yeah, just hoping that, you know, it all goes well out there. Because there's been a bit of a weird cultural thing um, in the States because cider doesn't translate. Um, So it's just apple juice. So (laughs) it's a little bit like, oh, okay. Loses its edge a little bit, I think. Definitely does. But it's still, like, people still get the concept straight away, which is nice. So, yeah, I think that's mainly going to be our focus this year is just trying to get the momentum going again because I really don't want it to have been a fluke the first year. So just, yeah, marketing it in London a bit better than I did last year as well because I've my, all my focus was on the San Francisco launch last winter, which was amazing and went really well, but it meant that London just had to fall by the wayside. Yeah. Sounds exciting. I'm really looking forward to seeing what you guys come up with and, like, it sounds like even going global and stuff like that. Um, thank you so much for coming and talking to me. It's been a real pleasure. And, um, yeah, look forward to seeing what you guys come up with in the future. Thank you very much. Thank you so much to Scarlett for coming and chatting with me for the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Uh, Thank you to Scarlett also. She's given me quite a lot of advice over the time that I've been running Hopeful Traders just about running a social enterprise. Uh, You can check out their website at crackinsider.com. It sounds like they've got some pretty exciting stuff coming up, so worth, worth following them. Yeah, this week was produced by Lower Street and the music is by Wavoka Gentle.